Okay, is this thing on? Alright, here we go. Let's talk about football. No, not that kind of football. A nuclear football. For those who may not know, a nuclear football, also known as the atomic football, the presidential, the president's emergency satchel, and the president emergency, the button, the black box, or just a football, is a briefcase, the contents of which are to be used by the president of the United States to authorize a nuclear attack while away from a fixed comm center such as the White House Situation Room. It functions as a mobile hub and the strategic defense system of the United States, and it is held by an aide-de-camp. What does that mean? Aide-de-camp is a personal assistant or secretary to the, a person of hiring. Okay, I see how that makes sense. So this is a real thing. This is a legit thing that in the United States right now, there is a guy holding a black briefcase just a nonchalant black briefcase that has the button to kill all of us in it. And he just walks around with the president. Um, you can find pictures of this online. Uh, the description I just read is from Wikipedia. The link is in the show notes. But more importantly, this particular item leads to another man. His name is Robert Roger Fisher, who is a law professor at Harvard Law School and the director of the Harvard Negotiation Project. Now, this man obviously done many things. He was in the military, um, but he was known for one particular thing, and it was a unique idea for preventing nuclear war. And he says, my, suggest my suggestion was quite simple. Put the needed code number in a little capsule and then implant that capsule next to the heart of a volunteer. The volunteer would carry with him a big, heavy butcher knife as he, as he accompanied the president. If ever the president wanted to launch nuclear weapons, the only way he could do so for him would be so for him the only way he could do so would be for him first with his own hands to kill a human being. The president says, George, I'm sorry, but tens of millions must die. And he has to look someone and realize what death is, what an innocent death is, blood on the White House carpet. It's reality brought home. So... That is mind-boggling to me to think that the suggestion of somebody to say, for if you want to start a nuclear war, you have to kill somebody with your bare hands. And this is the president. What a great idea for a story. <laughs> This is Hashtag Flash Fiction, a show about writing in real time. And I am your host, Eric M. Hunter, and I've been writing stories since I was just a little kid. There's a million ways to start a story, and you never know how it's going to turn out. It could be good, or it could be really bad. Let's see what happens. 
the nuclear football. Now, I'll admit that this is a story idea that I've had ever since watching, ever since listening to an episode of Radio Lab. Link in the description. The episode was entitled Nukes, and it was about this very question about the briefcase, the um, just nuclear war in general and how it would affect the Earth. And it's, a, it's an excellent episode. I highly recommend listening to it after you listen to this one. Um, and they're going to do it a justice that I could never at the, in this very moment. There's just no way. Um, that show is just way too good. And, but the idea of that interaction between this volunteer, a volunteer with the code to start nuclear war is right next to his heart. And he gets invited to the White House <laughs> just to hang out. And that, that, that interaction stuck with me. And that's usually a lot of my ideas uh, stem from some sort of conversation or some something I've heard. Um, not necessarily between two people, but just um, it's something told to me is usually when I get some of my best inspirations. And for whatever reason, audio is my um, is how I take in the world at the at best. Um and I was immediately hit with like that humdrum, old stuffy businessman suit wearing, you know, crazy expensive bourbon drinking, tie kind of loose, just man on top of the world asshole coming to this broken down redneck trailer neighborhood. And, like, the second he walks in, like, Secret Service comes in, does a quick sweep of the place, make sure there's no bugs or, not, you know, bombs or anything in this place. And then in walks this guy, and he, the first thing that hits him is just, like, the smell of dog shit. And he looks around, and he sees, like, all these, you know, broken down couch that he knows he's because he's got it. It's just, it's what they do every year now. You know, like, it's, um, they they meet once a year. For like an anniversary for toasting to not being at war or something. And this guy and this president knows that he's going to have to kill this guy because he needs to attack whoever Iraq or Iran or, you know, it's desert storm all over again in the nineties, you know? Um, and I just like that visual, like that contrast is it looks so good in my head, you know, and this was just one of those stories that just kind of stuck with me. It's just and I've, you know, been adding little bits and pieces on it, you know, here and there, but never actually sat down to write the story. And I think that this is the time this is. So this is the story we're going to write. So first, we need some information. Uh, we need character names. Generator land. Um, I need a made up. So, okay. So I need a president's name and I need, um, I wonder if there is a president, president name generator, a president's name generator, original generator land generators. Yeah, 
There we go. Republican Republican president presidential candidate generator. Oh my god, this is going to be perfect. You actually have to click on the on the elephant to get the get the names. Jeb Hart. <laughs> Jeb Hart. Friends call him Chip. Hero <laughs> Charlton Heston is pro-life for the unborn but not for adults. <laughs> Believes vegetarians are a threat to national security. Uh, the, his motto is a nation without borders is not a nation. And I got a picture too. Wow, this is so good and sad. We're going to have to use it. God, that is so good. I Man, I tell you what, these generators just get better and better. Okay, now I need a generator just for a like a hero like a main character generator miles miles beaver that's perfect miles riley beaver or mr beaver for short and then i need a made-up country name that is going to be at war with the united states the federate republic of the of new liberia federal federal Federate, the Federate Republic, the Federate Republic of New Liberia. What a mouthful. Okay, so there's, uh, there's our, uh, Federated Republic. Um, so yeah, so my initial thought for this is, um, the TV's on, so we get a little background as to the world that we're in. Um, it's a news update, um, talking about just growing tensions between the United States and the Federate Republic of New Liberia. Um, maybe something about nuclear war happening. Uh, and then having to mention that the United States has been at peace for, or hasn't been at war for, let's say, 30 years. Um, that way, like, so all of this, so the anniversary makes sense. It's not the, obviously the 30th year that they've been together, but they're, you know, they're celebrating the 30th year um, of the United States not being at war 30 years is a long time. And they just, you know, they sit down, they share a glass of wine or something. And so they're sitting down, they're having a glass of wine. They're shooting the shit. Um, our protagonist miles is maybe mentioned something about new Liberia and how it's kind of bothering him. It's, it's worrisome. Um, and maybe the president tries to quell that worrisome, um, and, you know, tell them that, you know, it's no big deal. Stuff like this happens all the time. Just doesn't matter what their name is. Maybe the president lets something slip. Like he says, you know, he's wanting to get back at them for something personal or something like that. The conversation goes and goes and goes. And then Miles realizes that actually the bottle of wine they're drinking or bourbon or whatever, whatever I'm going to call it. Um, it's probably going to be scotch. Um, has been poisoned. But not enough poison to kill him, to kill Miles, because the president still has to kill him with his bare hands. So it's like, it's a it's mild enough that he can just probably squash his, his you know his esophagus or something, and then he can pull a knife out and go for the go for the heart or something like that, and then we can just cut it there. So it was it's just gonna be so it's gonna be more about just like the absurd um, absurdity of the situation for Americans not being at war for thirty years is. <laughs> It's kind of unheard of nowadays. Um, but then this is happening, and then, and then yeah, and then he just realizes that he's been poisoned, and then it's too late. 
you know, like Miles doesn't have enough to. And then the president explains, you know, he does the the villain dialogue of like, I, when I walked in here, I thought I could do it. And then, you know, I, we sat down and started talking. Maybe he thought of getting the other bottle that wasn't poison because he was second guessing himself. And then maybe Miles says something that just kind of pisses him off for some reason. So not only is it going to be personal for the president to attack this this new republic, but it's also personal now because Miles said something that kind of like jab at him that's been a sore spot on him. So what could I do with that? Um, it, it would have to be some like personal scandals and maybe like, you know, he lost a lot of money in an investment or he cheated on his wife or, I mean, we could go down any kind of rabbit hole. I don't know if I want to, <laughs> if I want, I feel like if we get too crazy, then it's going to take away from the story. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. So I'm just going to start tight. I'm just going to start going for it. And then I'm just going to see where it takes me. That's one thing I don't know if I've talked about on here yet, but the the need to use proper nouns for things. So rather than saying social media, you say Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or in this instance, I was going to say that Miles uh, stood up from his lazy boy and then was like, oh, I'll just change that to recliner. It's something I've kind of been struggling with because... You know, as you're writing, it is so much easier just to use whatever it is that you're referring to, you know, regardless of uh, time or place, especially if it's, you know, if if your story takes place in, you know, in a modern setting, you know, r rather than calling, a, you know, calling up a ride share, you called Uber or Lyft. And because um, in my head, as I'm writing it, to me, it, it doesn't matter, like, who knows how long this story will last after I'm long and gone. You know, it's probably going to just be lost to time. But for whatever reason, and let's say it goes another 30 years after I'm dead, and somebody goes back to read it, and they see that he stood up from his lazy boy, the reader may not have an idea of what a lazy boy is if lazy boy just happens not to exist um, after that. Or it's, you know, it'd be like, Telling people that to check out your Friendster page rather than your Facebook page. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who don't know what Friendster was. And Friendster came before MySpace, like as like kind of that, that first social platform. But then I read something like MK Jemison's The City We Became. Is that what it's called? And she does that quite a bit. She'll refer to Facebook and YouTube and Lyft and Uber. And it's a book that takes place in what we would consider modern day right now. But going back and when I was reading it, I was just like, oh, man, like, this is just bad. Like, this sticks out like a sore thumb and, you know, all these capital company names. I was like, I don't, it doesn't read good on the page. And then you could always go the route of, again, going, just going back to social media, um, of just creating your own social media platform that doesn't exist to use in the story and then just refer to it as, a Facebook, what Facebook's does in terms of, you know, seeing what their friends post and what people had for dinner. Like you, the reader will, you trust the reader that they'll get the idea of what it is, but it also could be that thing of like, wow, why didn't you just call it Facebook? You know, I don't know. Like that's something I'm, I'm always struggling with because in this instance, 
the first word that came to my head was lazy boy. And I just meant a recliner, you know. Um, and for Miles in the moment, a lazy boy seems kind of expensive for him. So he probably wouldn't have a lazy boy. Uh, or if he did, it'd be like one that's 30 years old. And then that's kind of what spawned this whole thought process. It was like, I just, lazy boy, I'll just call it a recliner. <laughs> because when I read lazy boy, when I read Facebook, when I read Uber and a story in a fictional story, like, yeah, it does a good job at putting me in time and place, but also just seems awkward. Like, I feel like just mentioning, just saying like, oh, I ch I'll check my social feed or I'll check my social media, like just using the, the broad the broad term, is easier on the on the eyes, and it's easier to say out loud than Facebook or whatever, because you just get that instance of immediately dating yourself. So, yeah, it's just one of those things that I always, um, anytime it comes up, like I'm, I'm I'll just sit there and like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Which is what I'm doing right now. I changed it from lazy boy to recliner. Am I going to keep it recliner, or am I going to change it back to lazy boy? Okay, so <laughs> I'm at that part in the scene where, I mean, this is, I would think that I'm, we're, I'm in the middle on the way to the end. And I need to figure out how to get them talking about what's going on to get him, get to get the president talking. So how do I do that? So I need to make this, it needs to be, I feel like there needs to be some sort of personal angle for the president for him to want to go to war. Because before I was thinking like, oh, well, we'll make it so it's also personal against him. I don't want to do that. I'm thinking now I don't want to do that because it's already a shitty situation. You know, there's a lot of shit going on. I want to feel like the president waited till Miles' wife died so that there was nobody else in his family. And then he would feel okay, a little bit better okay for killing him because it's just, you know, it's a man who's completely un... Uh, untethered like he, he has no family he's got nobody else it's just him so nobody's going to miss him if he's gone um, and I feel like that shows compassion in a very difficult situation which is a lot more interesting to read about um, than just a shitty president doing a shitty thing to go to war especially for something like this flash fiction like it's because it's got to be quick and punchy and to the point uh, and I already got a feeling we have to take a lot of this <laughs> beginning stuff out but it's good. It's good. Maybe this uh, this new Liberia president, whatever this guy's name is, kidnapped his, the president's daughter. And the only way to get her back is basically by going to war. So that's why he's decided to do it. He's deciding to take his daughter over this man's life, essentially. Well, I guess in the lives of the country. Um, but he's willing to take this man's life to do those things. Okay. I like that idea. So that's... Let's see how we get through that. Okay, so I feel like, I think what I'm gonna do is, basically what I always do, is just go on like that crazy guy rant, where he's just literally opening the floodgates and just letting everything um, kind of just flow out of him all in a single breath. Like it's just him ranting about, you know, the last 30 years of shit that he's been going through um, for whatever reason. Um, and now it's like, this is his one, microsecond to unload onto somebody and it just makes him sound like he's a fucking he's just fucking crazy <laughs> okay <laughs> it's let's take a drink it's something else um there's i can already tell that there's a lot of this there's so much more of the story i want to tell just to try to keep it under a thousand words it's always a difficult thing 
Um, I feel like this is a similar idea as to the first episode with the detective and the twin killer, serial killer, where the scene is so powerful and it can speak volumes, but I've only got a thousand words to do it in. I know that whenever, when I get done with this and I read it and like, man, this is good. This could be something bigger. Uh, it, it really isn't though. Like this is it, you know, like I always want more words, you know, um, but for flash fiction, I only have so many. And even if I had more words to use, I don't know where I'd go with it. I don't know what I would do with it. Speaking of that, let's check our word count. Oh, no. <laughs> it's 1,622 words. I have to cut 600 words out at least. Oh, poopy. God, that's so, that's so many words. Um, okay, let me just read this and see what I can cut out um, of like things that are either I've said a thousand times or are just completely redundant. Um, let's see. Miss, yeah, Jeff walked through the recliner, sat down, he grabbed the whiskey and pours, and pulled him another glass and stared at the TV. Poured Miles another glass and stared at the TV. Okay. Okay, so quick first read through edit thingamajig. Um, there was a little bit that I was like, oh, I don't really need this. I mean, this adds flavor, but it doesn't answer the story. So that some of that stuff was easy to take out. Um, I'm the king of double words. I, I'll type the same word twice or the same phrase twice. Um, it's usually like, and that, and that. I don't know why I do that, but um, deleted all those. So that should drop the word count down to ugh, 1492. Man, I'm going to have to do this again. Okay, we did it. <laughs> 992, 992 words. God, some so some of the stuff that I cut was good right, good dialogue. And I re it reminded me uh, as I'm deleting it, it reminded me of uh I don't remember who it was, but some famous writer. She was saying that she doesn't delete anything. She doesn't throw anything and no words gets destroyed. Whatever she doesn't want, especially if it's like long passages or dialogue choices, she copies them and puts them in just like kind of like a junk file um, that she will periodically go back and read and see if there's anything in it that uh, she likes. I don't do that, but I kind of feel like I should start doing that um, because, yeah, I mean, I feel like there was some pretty good dialogue here that I just deleted. I'm sure I could get it back and blah, blah, blah. Google's docs has a thing that does that, but. Um, okay, so we have a flash fiction story. Um, 992 words. I think the story's good, uh, on the verge of being great. I feel like this could be a, a great longer short story. Could really dive into, I could probably get about, if I really fatten this out like I want to, the story would probably be about three or 4,000 words. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, like I'm starting to see more now where that what that would be, what those extra words would be, since I've cut so much already. Um, it still might go on a little too long, so it's probably best just being flash fiction. Um, so yeah, okay. Here is 
the nuclear football. Hey, present day Eric here. Just wanted to jump in really quick. I wrote this story and then I recorded it, me reading it, and then something compelled me to go back afterwards and change a little bit of the story because believe it or not, the initial version of this story didn't have uh, the main character describing why he was even doing this. Like there was no talk of the launch codes for the, you know, for whatever nuclear bomb, the, the nuclear football, like there was an, other than the title, there was no reference to actually what was going on. So gosh, started, I went back in and fixed it. <laughs> so what you're going to hear now is the revised version of the story. And the reason I did that is to show that when even when you feel like something's done and it's correct and then you hand it off to somebody and they say, wow, this is really good, but none of this makes any sense. There's no reason. I have no idea why this is called the nuclear football. I have no idea why this man is, you know, killing this other man except for he's just killing this other man. And I'm like, wow, yeah, that's you are 100 percent correct. I didn't put any of that in. Um and sometimes that happens. Sometimes you just, when you sit down to write a story and then you go back and you, you know, do some quick edits and you kind of feel like this is, this is done. You read it out loud and you're like, yeah, this feels good. And then time passes and you're like, oh wait, this is bad. There are a lot of things that need to be fixed on this. So that's what this is. This is the perfect opportunity to show you how important it is to write something and then put it away and then come back to it um, after a certain amount of time. Uh, one writer, again, I, for, I forget her name, she mentioned that she always, that when she comes back to read a piece of work that she has written, and when she doesn't remember the lines that were spoken or the way the kind of story works, that is the time to sit down and edit. And that's exactly what this was. I took a couple of weeks off, I came back, I reread it, and I found I made some mistakes. So um, here's the revised version of the nuclear football. There was a knock on the door and Miles reached for the remote to mute the news. He stood up, walked to the door and had one eye closed as he peered through the peephole. Two wide-shouldered black suits and sunglasses took up most of the viewer. Next to it was a face he recognized. President Jeb Hart. Miles reluctantly opened the door. What the hell are you doing here? Miles chided. Jeb smiled big and fake. Ha <laughs> ha, damn it, Miles. Did you forget again? Another year, conflict-free. President Hart announced. He presented a bottle of scotch. Two guards pushed past Miles and did a brief danger inspection. The tallest one gave Hart a confirmed nod before allowing them to enter the trailer. The other guard closed the door behind them. Well, go on, sit down. I'll, I'll get us some glasses. Miles busied himself in the kitchen cabinets as Jeb looked around at the rundown trailer. The stains on the floor only told a fraction of the story of what could live within its walls. Miles came in holding a glass in each hand and a bottle of whiskey under his arm. Ah, damn it, Miles. Will you be careful? This shit is expensive. And illegal, he added. Miles let the bottle fall into the president's hands and turned to sit in the empty recliner. 
He placed both glasses down and wiped his hands on his muddy jeans. Jeb turned the top gently until it pulled free and poured each a glass. They took their respective glasses and held them in a toast. To... What is it now? You were re-elected? Miles asked. Thirty, Jeb said, and clinked glasses with Miles. Thirty, he asked. The president nodded. Thirty years, conflict-free. They toasted, and Jeb turned the glass over in front of him. Miles took another swig, emptying his. Well, shit, happy anniversary, Miles said. Jeb nodded absentmindedly, lost in the room. You spruced this place up, I see. Jeb stood up and took a better look at the wallpaper. I figured it was time. Got to use those government dollars somehow. Sharing Jeb's gaze around the trailer, Jeb turned to face him. I heard about Margie. I'm so sorry, the president said. Miles dropped his head and nodded. Yep, cancer finally took her. Those last few months have been hard. I feel she was more relieved for me than herself when she passed. The room grew quiet. Jeb walked over to the recliner and sat down. He grabbed the whiskey and poured Miles another glass, then stared at the TV. The TV kept flipping pictures of the new Liberian president standing stern and giving a speech, then a picture of Jeb in a similar stance behind a podium. The word war in deep red plastered over top of it. What's this guy's deal anyway? Miles asked. I feel like this shit has been going on for forever. Jeb snorted. He's a fucking psychopath. That's what he is. Miles took another sip, then realized he was empty again. His greedy hands went for the bottle again. Thirty years. Thirty years? Seems like it gets harder and harder every year, Miles thought out loud, scratching the scar around his heart that he hid under his shirt. Yeah, it's all fun and games at first. He says one thing, you say another. Then he moves troops from one end of the country to the other. Real slow, but deliberate. Make sure he sees what you're doing. <laughs> it's all theater. Just troops smiling as tanks roll through the desert as the 24-hour news cycle takes it in. Then, they start making moves. And you realize you're not in control anymore. And it's because they don't have as much to lose as you do. They bomb this building over here, so you strike this military base over there, and something goes wrong. Hasty mistranslations or something. That base was actually a hospital, and it wasn't just full of them, but of us, too. POWs. But it's happening over there. It seems so far away. But that's just it. They've been here for years. You just had no idea. Miles looks down at his glass as it slowly slips out of his hand and rolls into the carpet below. His head falls to one side and his body goes limp. His mouth goes agape. It's just a party, she said. And I watched her car drive out of the front lawn. And that was the last time. Then they were out of the country within a matter of hours. Jeb shook his head in frustration. He poured his whiskey out into the floor again. Miles' body slipped down the recliner to the floor. Jeb stood up, turned Miles onto his back. Miles held his throat, trying to breathe. Jeb sat down over his chest, pulled Miles' hands away, and replaced them with his own. It's my daughter, Miles. They have my daughter. They sent me videos of them 
beating her and raping her. I kept her locked in a dark room covered in her own shit. I just can't take it anymore. And I thought, I'm going to have to kill an innocent man. Jeb tightened his grip. A married man, he cried. And then Margie died. Jesus smile. I swear it was a sign from God. God. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But it's time for me to end this once and for all. I'm going to blast that shithole to glass. And it's best for everyone. Every American. For Candace. Jeb gritted his teeth and put all his weight on Miles' throat. Miles struggled little the poison doing its job of subduing him quickly. And with one great heave, Jeb pushed down, Miles's windpipe collapsing under his weight to a crunch in his chest. After a heavy exhale, Jeb reached for the knife that hung concealed on his hip and went to work to find the launch codes. What did you think of this story? Let me know. You can either send me a message on Twitter at FlashFiction4 or you can email me hello at ericmhunter.net. I want to hear your stories. Send your Flash Fiction stories to me. We'll put them on the show. Um, and just get more fiction out there. More love out there. More football. Until next time.